This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. One-timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perlix! Women's WCHA. So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside... The National Hockey League. Dwayne Kaprizov, in for a chance to win it! He scores! And everything from the state of hockey. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Huskies Warming House podcast fans. It is episode number 54 here on the show. Uh, Nick is giving me a smirk here. Nick, I think one of my goals for the show is honestly to slow down and be a little more calm, a little more smooth, a little more suave, if you will. Uh, but anyway, speaking of things that are uh, far from cool and calm in the hockey world, the NCAA tournament selection committee is tonight. Uh, we are recording the show on Sunday at about 10 o'clock in the morning. So we're still going to give actually our brackets and our predictions for what we think the selection of the teams is going to be. And then we're going to find out how wrong <laughs> each of us was uh, the following week. Um, but speaking of that, we do have a bracket challenge for fans to enter and some prizes potentially that they can win out of that. Uh, we'll have more information with that after the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. We're also going to touch on uh, what the men's hockey team has to look forward to this week in the NCAA hockey tournament and uh, their keys to success as we recap the NCHC Frozen Faceoff and take a look at what the Huskies need to do here in tournament time and playoff time. I'm Noah Grant, joined alongside my co-host and Nick Maxson, and we're going to, going to start today's segment with the Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup. Center Ice View news and notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. Huskies Illustrated Weekly Roundup, Noah, and the NCHC playoffs are all complete, and the North Dakota Fighting Hawks did unfortunately beat our St. Cloud State Huskies with a flurry of goals in the third period. In fact, three goals in a matter of two goal, two minutes and two seconds to capture their first frozen face-off championship. The Fighting Hawks will join the Gophers from Minnesota, Lake Superior State, AIC, UMass, and St. Lawrence as the teams right now with auto bids into the NCAA tournament, which starts this week. St. Lawrence was the only notable upset, which did go on to beat number 10 Quinnipiac in overtime, while Lake Superior State was a bubble team that did punch their ticket with, again with that auto bid win, and as did AIC, which was a fringe team, at least according to the pairwise rankings coming into the uh, weekend here last week. The selection committee will pick the other 10 teams. We'll make that selection tonight here on Sunday. And the only other news, Colorado College will get their new arena christened next year, but unfortunately it will be without Mike Havlin, which they did part ways, those two, um, after seven seasons with the Tigers. His overall record going 67, 153, and 20. He was the 14th coach in school history. And sources are telling us that the departure was mutual between Coach Havlin as well as Colorado College. He stumbled to a 4-17-2 record here this past season in 2020-2021. 
and went 2-1 against St. Cloud in the playoffs. The NCAA tournament's next six weeks, while women's hockey just concluded the national championship, which was the WCHA Wisconsin Badgers, who won over number one Northeastern in overtime at the hands of a crazy bank shot by four Darrell Watts. The game finished in a 2-1 score to clinch the Badgers' sixth national title, the first of which was one in 2006 with a team that included current six, uh, excuse me, current St. Cloud State women's hockey coach Janelle Sergey. Moving to news around the state of Minnesota in the National Hockey League, uh, the section playoffs uh, for high school were in full swing, but the Minnesota Wild were not in full swing this week, Nick. Uh, wins against Arizona were short-lived as the team was thumped 5-1 to one and 6 to nothing in Colorado and losing Matt, defenseman Matt Dumba for an indefinite amount of time after he fell awkwardly into the boards under his own power in the process of last week. The team sits in third place in the Honda West Division and is back at home all next week with a Monday and Wednesday two-game series against Anaheim before a single-game uh, tilt on Thursday against St. Louis. The Wild will then be off until the following Monday where they will travel to both San Jose and Vegas for a pair of games apiece. A couple notable St. Cloud State news. Boston Bruins defenseman and former St. Cloud State captain Jack Ashan did make his NHL debut this past week. The Savage Minnesota Navids sits third all-time among St. Cloud State defensemen with 103 points in four seasons. Sean was the Huskies' captain last season, but we're having into Providence this past offseason. Sean tallied seven points in 12 games with the minor league club before getting called up to the big club, where the single game he debuted included three shots on goal in over 15 minutes of ice time. Bruce head coach Bruce Cassidy praises Sean's demeanor in the contest against the Sabres, saying in his first NHL game, guys are tentative, but he wasn't. He's going to have to learn. Guys are stronger and quicker here, but I like the fact that he was ready to go offensively. Cassidy further added that with the puck, he, want, he certainly wants to impact the game, and if that's the thing he, as a defenseman, he's going to have to do on a regular basis to stay here, and again, we'll work with him, and he'll learn, and part of that will just be to get some experience. The team anticipates Sean to be with the club until at least their next contest. Speaking of the Buffalo Sabres, Nick, uh, they have had a pretty tumultuous week, even as far as Buffalo Sabres teams go, uh, as they let go of head coach Ralph Kruger amidst a 12-game losing streak, naming Don Granado as interim head coach. Kruger spent two seasons and change with the club, sitting in dead last currently with the Sabres. The team will look to retool in the offseason, with news also that the 2021 NHL draft will not be postponed as many had anticipated. The league said the event will happen as usual on July 23rd and 24th. And a little bit more of a sadder news. Another death came in the hockey world this past week as high, when certainly was highly unexpected. In the KHL or the Continental Hockey League, 19-year-old defensive team where Fight Sudinov died three days after being struck in the head and neck area by a pocket during a dump-in play for the neutral zone. Playing for Dynamo St. Petersburg's junior team, he was taken off the ice of a stretcher and treated for his injuries at a local hospital where unfortunately he did not survive. Wrapping up this week's news, more season-ending injuries as well as milestones around the National Hockey League are, uh, are in our weekly roundup here. To start, only one notable player transaction did occur as Vancouver picked up Toronto forward Jimmy Vesey off of waivers this past week. Vesey had five goals and two assists to go with 30 games this season. Uh, in the East, New York Islanders got good and bad news. 
On the good side, defenseman Thomas Hickey returned to action and nabbed two assists in his return for the Islanders uh, after missing nearly two years of play due to a concussion. While on the flip side, the team will be without Minnesota native Anders Lee, who underwent surgery for a torn ACL that he suffered in a game against New Jersey. Staying in New York, the Rangers will miss defenseman Jack Johnson for the rest of the season due to core muscle repair surgery. And Pittsburgh Penguins star Evgeny Malkin is week-to-week with lower body issues. Up north, Montreal Canadiens defenseman Ben Sherratt will miss six to eight weeks after a fight with Vancouver Canucks forward J.T. Miller, which led to a fractured hand. And the Canucks themselves will be without Tanner Pearson, a forward for four weeks with a lower body injury. In Ottawa, goaltender Joey Dacord suffered a season-ending injury just one week after his first NHL win, and Maple Leafs netminder Freddie Anderson is currently playing through an undisclosed injury. This injury was the same lower body issue that kept him out earlier in the season. Finally, the only injury out west for netminders does belong to Robin Lehner in Vegas, who is dealing with a concussion. In COVID news, the Rangers' entire coaching staff is in quarantine, and the Boston Bruins, with Jack Ashawn, will miss at least two games due to four players entering COVID protocol. On the milestone side, and to finish our weekly roundup, Chicago's Patrick Kane went from his 1,000th game last week to earning sole possession of both fifth and then fourth place on the U.S.-born scoring list after tallying a goal last Monday in Florida. The forward has over 1,060 points and sits behind Jeremy Roenick, Phil Housley, and Mike Madano. Madano, who is in first, finished his career with 1,374 points. Welcome once again to the Huskies Warming House Podcast. I'm Noah Grant, joined alongside my co-host and Nick Maxson. Nick, we've got a lot of fun stuff to get to this week, and I'm curious to see how much of our show actually really freaking matters <laughs> at the end of today. Uh, so like we mentioned, uh, we're going to be talking a lot about NCAA hockey. Uh, we do have a bracket challenge coming up that I'm going to mention in just a second. But first of all, Nick, I think it's important to note uh, if you listen to the intro of the show, which I haven't listened to the intro in our show in quite a while, just because I'm pretty used to what it is. I think it was time for a change and time for an upgrade, uh, or at least I think an upgrade. Um, I hope it was an upgrade because I'm currently running on about four hours of sleep. I stayed up till about four o'clock this morning working on that sucker. So uh, I guess we'll see what the fans have to say, but uh, you might have seen some changes lately from the Huskies warming house podcast. And that's just kind of us retooling on the fly. Uh, but not like the Minnesota Wild. We're trying to actually be good at what we're doing. Uh, but anyway, Nick, I welcome in on this Sunday morning, March 21st of 2021. Uh, Nick, how are things for you down in the Twin Cities? Uh, are you excited for the selection? Uh, don't forget, we do have Dave Starman coming on, who is part of the selection uh, festivities tonight on ESPN. He'll be joining us tomorrow and then essentially Tuesday morning for the show. Uh, what are you looking forward to this week and what have you been up to uh, in the past week? Uh, it's, it's been uh, a lot of work, <laughs> a lot of work and homework. You know, it's it, where it's amazing that, you know, it's what yesterday was the official first day of spring or today was. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're in playoff time. It's, you know, it's basketball time or March. It's the only time I really ever watched basketball. You know, I'm, I'm sure all my DMS will be blown up with that. Um, but that's okay. Um, it's been busy, but, uh, it's about 60 degrees uh, down here, in the two Twin cities the last couple of days. So I've been trying to get out and try to enjoy some of the nice weather. Um, other than that, what I'm looking forward to tonight, especially as again, this is uh, we're recording this on Sunday is try to see, you know, 
who's going to make the tournament. Um, I think for St. Cloud State fans, I think we're, we're sitting pretty solid as far as, you know, uh, it's a matter of what seating, but, you know, there's some local other teams that, you know, maybe in, maybe out. And, uh, you know, at the, at the end of the day, more interested to see where they place St. Cloud. And there, there was some talk that they would, more divides the regionals based on geography, but from some of the bracketologies that at least I've seen, no, it does not appear that the NCAA actually is going to be following through with putting teams more geographically speaking versus just by seating. So I think it's going to be interesting to see where everybody yeah. ends up and who's going to be, uh, you know, a couple of matchups here for St. Cloud. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, like I said, we're going to give our bracket predictions here still or what we think the selection is going to be for tonight. Uh, and then we'll talk more in depth with uh, Dave Starman about the actual selection of the teams uh, coming up because, of course, we'll know at that particular time. Uh, and I got to be honest, I, I totally agree. I think the problem with uh, the NCAA tournament right now is the fact that you just have too many teams from the West <laughs> that are playing really good hockey. So um, uh, to jump into that, Nick, as we do have uh, some fan festivities to participate in this this upcoming week, we're going to have uh, an NCAA tournament bracket challenge on the men's side here. And here's a couple of rules. I have it written down on a note card because I have to be prepared because I'm sure I'll forget something otherwise here. Uh, but the basis is going to be this. Uh, you can find the brackets on the NCAA website. I'm going to imagine they're going to be up either probably later tonight or at the worst Monday morning. Uh, and you're going to have a couple of days uh, until Friday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That is the start time for the first game of the NCAA Regionals. Uh, that's how much time you have to get your bracket in and submit it to us here. Uh, one bracket only per participant. Uh, so I want to make that clear. You can't send us five or six brackets and hope one of them sticks. Uh, and the reason being is that our winner, uh, our person who has essentially the best bracket, uh, will win a hat or a T-shirt. Um, and then I think if they so choose, uh, we're going to have them on the show for 10 minutes. If they feel comfortable coming on the show, talk to them a little bit about uh, if they're Huskies fans, you know, what when they became a St. Cloud State Husky fan, kind of their favorite memories as a Huskies fan. And if they're not a Husky fan, we're going to ask them why the heck they aren't a Huskies fan, right, Nick? Uh, the other thing I think that, Nick, I guess you and I didn't really discuss pre-show, but maybe you and I can kind of think of this on the fly. I. Uh, to make the brackets uh, potentially a little bit more accurate, uh, do you think at some point we should find a way where we should have them list the scores for each game as well to see uh, how accurate the scores are, or maybe goal totals in the frozen four or something like that, uh, something to maybe kind of um, similar to what the NHL does where they do the goal total in the Stanley Cup final. What are your thoughts there? I think that would be a good idea, not only just to, it would also provide us a little bit of a tiebreaker scenario too, um, just in case, you know, we have some some similar brackets out there, which I'm assuming there might be, uh, you know, it's not a, a bracket of 64 like you have in basketball yeah. where there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can submit, you know, how many different millions of brackets where now with only a field of 16, those and uh, with college hockey fans being uh, very in tune to who might be, uh, you know, moving forward and who might not be, I think they're going to see a lot of similarities coming through. So I think we need to add a, that a little extra element to provide a tie-breaking procedure if need be. I definitely agree. So we're going to do uh, probably, we're going to do goal total for the three games in the frozen four. So how many goals between all three games, you know, if, if, if the, if there's five goals scored in game one, seven goals scored in game one and three goals scored in the championship game, uh, that's 15 total goals. And that's what you would write down in. So make sure you write the goal total as well for how many 
goals you think are going to be scored in the Frozen Four in your bracket as well. Uh, you can take a screenshot of your bracket. Uh, you can, uh, however, you you can scan your bracket if you wrote it down on a piece of paper. Uh, just try to make it legible for us uh, and try to get you know the full bracket. Uh, try to make it look nice so we can <laughs> read what uh, your bracket looks like. And don't forget. Uh, to put your name on your bracket or make sure that we know where to contact you and who the heck sent us particular brackets. A couple ways to give us uh, the brackets, Nick. Uh, you can tweet at us directly. Uh, you can also DM us on Twitter your bracket. That's fine. Uh, you can tag us in a Facebook post. That's fine. Um, although it, that's kind of probably the lesser known route. Uh, you can also email us or message us, I should say, on Facebook Messenger, uh, the same picture as well to the Huskies Warming House podcast uh, or my personal Facebook. If you can find me on Facebook, I'm not going to be bothered by that. Although I might not be able to read it if I am not a friend with yours on Facebook. So a little caveat there. Uh, Twitter's probably your way to go, to be honest with you. Or if you're worried about it, uh, you can also email us the bracket at Huskies Warming House Podcast at Outlook.com, and we will try to take a look at it. Uh, if for some reason uh, somebody has a bracket they submitted, um, and for some reason that we miss it, um, we'll kind of go through that at that point, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But yeah, like we said, find the bracket on the NCAA website, try to use the official NCAA bracket uh, and fill it out and send it to us by Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time. The winner will get either a hat or a t-shirt, whatever their choice is. And they have the option of coming on the show for 10 minutes if they so feel as well. So uh, yeah, with that, Nick, I think it is time to move forward into what we believe is going to be the turn tournament field uh, by the end of tonight here. Uh, so Nick, I, I think it's important to clarify here for our fans. Uh, first, the six auto bids, like you did mention for the tournament teams. These are the six teams that are guaranteed in the tournament, regardless of where they were in the standings uh, or rankings before uh, the selection committee tonight. That is the University of North Dakota winning the NCHC, Minnesota winning the Big Ten, uh, UMass winning Hockey East, Lake Superior State winning the last ever WCHA men's hockey game likely in history, St. Lawrence with that upset in the ECAC, and AIC in Atlantic Hockey. Huskies fans, of course, I'm sure excited to have them back in the tournament. Uh, but Nick, um, let's start, uh, let's start uh, probably out east. Do you want to go by regional site? Is that probably... The sure. better, better way to do that, or uh, you can start in the east or the west. You just pick a regional site. This you do what you got to do, and we're gonna go through. Um, do you want to just? I don't know how to do this. Should we go? Should we go through each site like back and forth between you and I, or should we go through your predictions first and then mine? Uh, let's go by sites, okay. and let's let's start easy, or or maybe we start easy. Let's start uh, in Fargo. What do you think will be in Fargo? Okay, uh, so I've got number one, University of North Dakota. Um, I think I can feel pretty good about that one. Number two, I've got Mankato in the two slot. I think they drop into a second seed there. Uh, number three, uh, Minnesota Duluth. Uh, and number four, Lake Superior State. That's who I have in that regional. So how about you, Nick? I have three of your four. So I have uh, obviously North Dakota being – I have um, – uh, Hold on, I'm losing my space here. I do have uh, Sep Mankato. And then instead of having a Lake Superior, well, for the third seed, I've actually had Michigan okay. up there as a three seed. And then for four, um, I have a Lake Superior State up there in Fargo. Okay, uh, so I'm going to guess you probably put Duluth out in Loveland is probably my anticipation. Yeah, that okay. is correct, yes. So moving over to Loveland, uh, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, uh, the one seed out in Colorado there. Number two are St. Cloud State Huskies in that tournament. Uh, number three... I have the Omaha Mavericks. 
And number four, I have Bemidji State. So I have both the Mavericks and the Beavers qualifying for the tournament, uh, regardless of kind of how uh, the season ended for both of those teams. I still think they both sneak into the tournament uh, with only, I would say, three auto bids kind of disrupting the pace, if you will. I still think Omaha and BSU both make the tournament, and I think they are both out in Loughlin. Yep. And so then, obviously, Loveland, I have uh, Minnesota as the one. St. Clancy is the two. I do have Duluth as the three. And then four, I have um, Bemidji State uh, down there in Loveland um, to, uh, to round up, uh, I guess, half the field. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I guess I'm intrigued. I guess if I can pick your brain a little bit. Uh, um, why do you pick Bemidji State over Omaha? And I'm not like, you know, why are you doing that? I'm kind of just for the fans. Uh, what is your rationale for picking Bemidji over Omaha uh, in the tournament? Because Omaha I actually have somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, uh, fair. I do have Omaha meet. I do have Omaha in the bracket, just not necessarily in Loveland, Colorado. Okay, interesting. Because um, I actually do have Omaha in, yes. Interesting. Uh, and more interesting because of the fact that Omaha, based on proximity, is way closer than Bemidji to send them out east. But nonetheless, I don't judge you that much. I'm going a little bit off the wall here just because you know how the NCAA tournament bracket uh, selection always seems to befuddle everybody. You know, <laughs> when we think, you know, some things make sense and, you know, rightfully so. And then all of a sudden we're thrown, you know, just like an ax, you know, right in the middle of that. So I'm trying to be a, like a little goofy with it just to try to predict some of that, you know, stuff that uh, happens usually when we have these, these selections. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm picking uh, Bemidji state down there and Omaha ends up somewhere else in the bracket. So yeah, um, that's interesting to say the least, I guess. Um, although I will say, uh, if you need to kind of throw that axe down the middle, don't forget Northern Air uh, in, in North Dakota. Don't forget axe throwing galore up there, man. I don't know. I've never been. I live three hours away and I've, <laughs> I've definitely never been. Although I've heard it's a lot of fun. I've heard axe throwing is actually a pretty good time. But anyway, uh, speaking of a team that uh, probably didn't get the axe and I think is actually going to be a number one seed moving out into Albany, Nick. Uh, I think Wisconsin is the one seed out there. Uh, number two, I think, is UMass in that group. Uh, number three, Quinnipiac. And number four is AIC in that group. I think that um, that Wisconsin is the, the number two, number one seed out in the East, if that makes sense to you. Who do you got in Albany for us? Um, I had Wisconsin. And then I actually had UMass as the two, and Quinnipiac as the three. And then I had AIC as four. So we pretty much went identical. lock and lock identical yeah. on that one. So, yeah. Okay. So now here's where it gets interesting because you have Michigan and Omaha here. So um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very intrigued actually. <laughs> now that I'm looking at my sheet, uh, you're, you have probably, I think somebody in here that I don't have in here. Uh, maybe not. Uh, anyway. So number one, Boston college out in, uh, believe it's Bridgeport, right? Bridgeport is the final yep. site. Um, so I've BC at number one. I've got the Michigan Wolverines at number two. Uh, I've got Boston University at number three and St. Lawrence at number four. So Omaha is definitely in that group. I'm assuming you put them in there as a three seed. The question mark is, did you put Boston University as a two seed or who the heck did you put over there? It is uh, BC as one, BU as two. It is Omaha as three and St. Lawrence as four. So yeah, I did kind of go a little off the beaten path there, but again, these, 
again, when we go through these selections, again, it's not how right you are, it's how wrong you are. So uh, to me, it's, you know, it's more of like, you know, throw them in the mix and, you know, it's tough, right? You know, I think what, what makes these so intriguing, these selections is, you know, the top four teams are really, and, and you can even argue this, maybe even the top eight are pretty much the only te- you know, teams that maybe solidified themselves a spot, but that bottom eight, you know, there's so, there's not a whole lot that differentiates the clubs. And then again, being that there's four regional sites, um, which I still find it to be uh, kind of odd for a 16 team tournament, to be honest with you, but it's really hard to differentiate where they go because, because I almost see feels like they take those bottom eight, they put them in a hat and just draw a name and go, Oh, oh there you go. Here we go. It's just, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense at least that way. So um, I'm intrigued. I think at least the 16 teams that we have in, I know there's a couple of differences between you and I do deserve to be in the tournament. One notable NCHC team that we both did not have on the board was Denver. And I think, um, you know, at the end of it, Denver, they, they were on the second half of the year, Noah, but I don't think their resume um, eclipses them into uh, the bracket, at least for my concern. I think they were pretty close, but to me, I, I can't put them above any other teams that we had on the board. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I think that uh, if I had to pick, um, you know, any team that quote unquote gets snubbed, I would probably pick Bowling Green or Providence before I picked Denver. Denver wasn't a 500 team. I'm sorry. You know, I, I know the NCHC is a strong conference, but I'm sorry you picked the wrong year, uh, I guess in a pandemic, you know, because yeah, you have some subjectivity, but that also could kind of screw you over. I think if you're Denver, uh, I think Denver's done. I think the NCHC pulls four teams. Uh, that'll be that. Uh, yeah. And we didn't, we actually picked the same field of 16 teams. We had them in different locations, but we actually picked the same field of 16, uh, which um, we kind of agree on something, which is a, a rarity, I guess, but we'll take it nonetheless. Uh, the team that we can agree on though, Nick, and uh, we're anticipating that's going to be in Loveland, although you never know, Mankato could end up in Loveland and uh, UND could have St. Cloud and Fargo as well. Those are two that could legitimately switch as well because i uh, Theoretically, if Mankato sits in five and St. Cloud is six or seven, they might say that North Dakota is the stronger West seed and give them a what they would say a quote unquote weaker number two seed, if you will. And that would be St. Cloud State in that in that scenario. So uh, St. Cloud could very much end, end up in Fargo as well. But nonetheless, they've got their work cut out for them. Uh, you know, they're they're searching for their first uh first regional win in the first round uh, in quite a few years. I believe it's been four tournament appearances since they've last won in the first round. So uh, let's kind of back up a little bit first. Uh, We recapped the game on Friday in the NCHC playoffs on Monday, um, arguably one of the best, if not most complete games, I think we've seen from the Huskies this season against Duluth, Uh, just a (laughs) gutsy, gritty, gritty win for this hockey club. And they really matched a good team in Duluth that was playing with a lot of pace pound for pound. I was really, really impressed with St. Cloud. And then they moved into Tuesday against the university of North Dakota. I was really impressed with St. Cloud for the first about 37, 38 minutes. And I was impressed with St. Cloud for the last about 14 minutes. Uh, The time in between Nick, not a fun ride to be a St. Cloud state fan there. Uh, and obviously the, those are the type of things in those one and done tournaments that can really change the outcome very, very quickly uh, in a regional tournament. But Nick, first of all, what do, what are some things you like from St. Cloud? And then what are some things that you still feel need some tweaking for this group? Because, hey, we talk about how they need to adjust. We've talked about how they need to make some changes. Uh, there ain't 
ain't time for any more changes uh, after the start of this week here. So what do the Huskies have to do to finally hopefully put it all together and send themselves to the Frozen Four in Pittsburgh? Well, I think the start against UND was, was good. I mean, we mentioned the first 35 or 36 minutes. Um, you know, you, you can't let a team like North Dakota, who has all the firepower, the skill, um, you know, arguably the best team in the country uh, up and down the lineup to get on your get you on your heels early. So I think St. Cloud matched their intensity early. They were matching, they were skating. They were also getting pucks in behind their D. Um, so to me, I thought they just kept a simple game plan, which against a team like North Dakota, there's not, there's no like special thing you have to do with them. It's just really just keeping it simple. And I think for a team like North Dakota, yes, we saw, I, th I think a little bit more of Jake Sanderson and just how impressive he really is in the back end. But how do you keep a guy like that from, you know, really showing you uh, and showing really being able to take his talents and utilize them? You got to make him defend. Um, and so I think St. Cloud did that. And St. Cloud was the team that was pushing in the second period. And then you talk about coaching decisions, right, Noah? And I think what makes Brad Barry such a good coach is, you know, and good coaches do this. They know how to read their squad. And they know that, say, hey, uh, we're under heels, and I'm not sure why. And he took his time out. Uh, and this is where the game changed. Um, he, lit his he lit his team up on, this, uh, on the bench, essentially going, uh, guys, who's the number one team in the country? Uh, why are we on our heels? Uh, Take, let's take our game. Let's, let's push, let's go. And uh, essentially they control the last four to five minutes of the second. And then we all know the span uh, in the early third period, there was uh, three goals in two minutes and two seconds. And what happened with St. Cloud was uh, they just simply didn't have a response. They looked a little bit, almost like the, the, what do you call it? The, the warrior that awoke the beast and just had the wide eyes a little bit. And uh, defensively, they were a mess uh, for those first, uh, first five minutes. And unfortunately, we talked about this in that quick recap again um, on Tuesday was that this is not a team where you had you can have one player and start swimming around your defensive zone. They will make you pay. And North Dakota did that. Um, they reset themselves. Um, I know that, you know, they got the game up to within once so they still made it a battle, Noah. But, you know, those are the type of lapses in your gameplay uh, against a team like that where you know that can cost you your season and if that's going to be one thing where St. Cloud has got to just be able to you know continue to push it and know more so if you're feeling pinned you know to not be afraid to take an icing to take the you know take the puck off the glass like just try to release some pressure and not allow a team like North to continue to cycle and you know do those things you know you just you have to it's that smart smart puck management decisions that St. Cloud has to just sort of go back to the basics on in those situations to just survive those minutes, but limit those offensive opportunities for teams like North Dakota. Yeah, I definitely agree. And the, the big thing for the Huskies is we, we saw kind of an interesting um, foray of players, I guess, if you will, uh, for St. Cloud that not that they don't make an impact, but I guess we, some guys that maybe really, really step up their game in playoff time, which I think is, is something that's very um what would you call it? Exciting, I guess, for lack of a better term for the St. Cloud State group. I, I think Kevin Fitzgerald really upped his game. I really liked the way he played. Uh, Kyler Kupka had a very, very nice weekend. Uh, I thought Will Hammer looked all right uh, defensively, you know, taking care of a, a lot of plays there. Um, I still think there's a lot more work for the centermen to be done as far as draws are concerned with this group. 
Uh, but then rounding off that, uh, Zach Okabe, man, holy smokes. I think if this St. Cloud State team plays the way Zach Okabe did this past weekend, they're going to be just fine in the tournament. I mean, that kid was a, an absolute buzzsaw going into the corners. I mean, his feet were moving. He was on pucks. He was winning foot races. He was winning battles. And I think the Huskies team, you know, when you have a player like that, especially a guy where Zach Okabe is a good hockey player, but Zach Okabe is not a guy that we look at at the beginning of the year that we say, yep, he's the go-to guy that's going to be, he's not, you know, he's not the Vietti Mietin where he's going to be the guy that's, you know, setting up on the power play and putting one tease in the back of the net. That's his game is that gritty hard nose style of play. When you have a guy like that, that can be that spark plug guy in the offense, like Zach Okabe was this past weekend, the rest of the team follows suit. And I think when you look at the Huskies, uh, and their ability, what they're so good at. Everyone says they're a good team off the rush. Um, I kind of agree with that, to be honest with you. I think where St. Cloud State really does their work is below the dots and below below the, the goal line and behind the net, to be honest with you, just kind of rotating things from east to west and then low to high. I think they do a really nice job of just kind of creating chaos, controlled chaos around the, the net front, and they're not afraid to go to the crease. And that's what I think makes this St. Cloud State different from a lot of other teams. We saw it finally this weekend breakthrough. We definitely saw it against Colorado, although Colorado College was just struggle busting that day. But we saw it against Duluth, and I think we saw it for most of the game against North Dakota, at least through the first half of the game, where St. Cloud was willing to attack the crease in the blue paint. And that is something that you talk about tournament time, you talk about gritty goals, you talk about the type of plays you need to make in order to find that extra little bit of space. There's usually not going to be a first chance opportunity in these NCAA tournaments. Speaking of first chance opportunities, Nick, the one thing that I think the Huskies need to clean up besides their faceoffs, um, I, I, I kind of hate to harp on it, but I think I'm just expecting a little bit more out of the defensive core on the defensive side of the puck. That's the only thing that I kind of look at. Uh, David Rennick was strong last weekend. I just look at the defensive core sometimes. I think they have a tendency sometimes, if you will, to, uh, I don't know, I don't want to use the term not engage, but I think it's just simple body position, simple stick on puck, simple, you know, are you disrupting the play of the forward that's coming down against you or down the wall or creating a cycle play. Uh, and when I, and when I look at that, sometimes I think the Huskies defensemen, they've got good body position. Uh, they're usually in generally the right place, but you know, is their stick in the right position? It's not really so much about your feet. It's where is your stick in relation to disrupting the play? Uh, and then just having a head on, head on a swivel. I, I don't remember what goal it was. If it was the power play goal, but uh, not to, pick him out, but he just was a defenseman on the play. Nick Perbix, right? You've got uh, two St. Cloud State defensemen that are, you know, he's on the front side post where he should be, but he didn't turn his head and, you know, head on a swivel and all of a sudden it's in the back of the net and the, the complexion of the game has changed. So I think for the Huskies, picking up guys in front of the net and just making sure your head is on a swivel and then just disrupt plays. I think they do a really good job. Actually, the Huskies do on the penalty kill because they're willing to be a lot more aggressive. I think they just got to play like that for a full 60 when they're five on five. So uh, a couple of, a couple of things on the defensive core, because uh, I agree with those two things. I want to add a couple of things, uh, the defensive core. Uh, first of all, uh, when you talk about heading a swivel, that also is talking about breakout passes too. There was a bunch of times where I feel like sometimes the defensemen are in automatic structure mode and yeah. they're just rimming pucks and those walls are sealed. So it's, it's one of those where, you know, sometimes take that extra half second, take a look. And sometimes the best play, and this is where Nick Perbix really shines is sometimes the best decision is to skate the puck. And I feel like sometimes you often get guys that are just willing. And I'm not sure if it's just, you know, a, a nerves or, you know, they just are not calm with the puck at that moment. 
moment, uh, but they're just so eager to get the puck off their stick and they don't move their feet well enough. And so it's either a chip play where it's read by the opposing forwards or it's a D that's pinching down. And, you know, instead of getting a clean breakout, now you're still stuck in the zone. You're getting hemmed in. And then as we know, more time stuck there, you're getting tired. You start cheating a little bit in your structure and that's when things start to break down. The other thing I want to mention too, especially, uh, you know, in the defensive zone is you talk about, you know, uh, picking up players, you know, that's just what it is. And you talk about offensively, how you want to go and crash the crease. If you're a defenseman or even if you're more so the weak side forward coming down and helping out, if you are, if you got to take a player, you cannot take space. And that's the thing, right? You know, yeah, the instinct is I want to intercept the pass, but this is collegiate hockey. You know, I, you know, we can thread passes through a needle if you wanted to whether that there are people that are that good and so unless you're tying up a player's stick at least getting into his body and making it tough for him to get a stick free you can play a perfect pass but if his stick is not on the ice he's not catching it he's not deflected it, and that gives you know david rennick you know a bit, a bit of a different decision he's got to make too right because all of a sudden he can focus in on just the puck area rather than trying to cheat and maybe try to come across and maybe take away that you know that backdoor tip play so it does have an impact on everybody in the defensive zone offensively you're right this team they're good in the rush and transition um but again we saw this with aic they're not a great team if defensive schemes put three if not four men on the blue line and force the team to pump the puck in so to me, if St. Claude can just recognize, just take what's given. If they're not giving you the blue line, dump it and go get it. And just make sure that as a forward line, all three players, if not at least two, are coming through the neutral zone with speed so that when you dump it, you can have a chance at that puck to be first on it and to set up your forecheck. If they are going to back off and give you a lot of space, then yes, certainly carry the puck in if you can. But don't try to force plays at the blue lines. We talk about the most dangerous plays to turn the puck over at each blue line. So you got to make sure it's you know controlling the puck and getting it in versus trying to force something that isn't there as well yeah i agree and when you talk about the forwards uh again if you want to look for a little bit more from the forwards too you're always looking for more during tournament time uh your guys like your your sam henches your your vietti mittens you're kind of more skilled guys like that lay a body on somebody put somebody through the boards i uh, don't don't be reckless obviously and don't be out of position but I think, you know, even getting those guys to be engaged physically, you know, there's not going to be a stretch of ice. It's going to be easy. And you talk about uh, what it takes to kind of take away ice on the defensive side. No offensive player that I've had yet to meet, uh, you know, enjoys being disrupted, <laughs> you know, when they're coming in the zone, trying to make a play in the offensive zone. That's just, that's just hockey. Um, so I kind of want to transition to one quick little thing here about the actual NCAA tournament here, Nick. Um and it's kind of more about what are things the Huskies can control and what are things that kind of just make tournament time unique in its own right. Um, and one of the things that I'm going to put out here, and I don't like to talk about myself as far as my playing career on the show. The only thing I will say is this um, in my collegiate career, I won two national championships. Uh, and one of those we got scored on with a game tying goal with 30 seconds left in regulation and won at 30 seconds into overtime. And the reason I say that is because it goes to one of my key points. Um, you have to have a really, really short memory when it comes to NCAA tournament time. Everything that you put together, um, you, you stick to your structure, you stick to your game plan, you trust the process, but everything before whenever the Huskies play, whether it's Friday or Saturday, goes out the window at that particular point. And the reason I say that is that, so when we were in the locker room in between periods, right, we had just got, we held a lead the entire game. They tie the game with 30 seconds. You know, it's a next shot wins overtime for a national championship, right? 
uh, you would expect that locker room, right, to be kind of tense, kind of, you know, nervous. Exact opposite. We knew what our game was. We knew we, we knew we were the better team that night. We just had to trust the process and understand that everybody was there to do your job and trust your teammate next to you. That's how the mentality has to be. And if you're the Huskies, you know, if it's 0-0 after the first, if you're up to nothing, if you're down to nothing, your focus is, you know, the 60-minute hockey game, but the next shift the next five minutes, the next 20 minutes, and you just have to take it block by block. And I know that sounds so obvious. I know that sounds like a hockey game, but when it comes to tournament time, when you have a young team with a lot of nerves, when you have a team that has a lot of pressure on their back from Huskies hockey fans and the lack of success of this program in recent memory at a regional tournament, those things can compound mentally very, very quickly. And then they get attributed physically in the way that you're playing. So if you're the Huskies, Trust the process, trust what got you here. Uh, and that's where I think we get into the variables that you can control. You can control your work ethic. You can control your body language and your demeanor. Are you, uh, one of the things that I love that Dave Starman mentioned uh, last week when, during the Duluth game, even though they lost, is he mentioned how Duluth, especially being a championship team and having a lot of guys that have won championships in that group, how calm they were even when they were down in that hockey game and getting pretty much walked over by St. Cloud state. And I believe it was the second period. And you got to take that mentality. Obviously you want some urgency, but you kind of just have to be even keel ride the ebbs and flows. There's going to be a lot of them during the game. Uh, and I guess don't act like Huskies hockey fans and have a heart attack or a brain aneurysm on the, uh, while you're watching the TV. I mean, it's, that's the game plan for the Huskies. And again, I know it sounds simple, Nick, and I think you can allude to this. Uh, you know, what are some of the other things that the Huskies can control and what are things that you just got to kind of ride the wave a little bit come tournament time? No, that's just it. Um, I'm going to bring out uh, not only just my personal playing career, but uh, I had the opportunity to work for with uh, the Wild for a little bit. And one of the features that I ended up writing was Andrew Brunette's 10-year anniversary of his goal against Colorado. Now, for those who don't remember that game, they were getting walked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they spent probably in, in a total of five minutes of that overtime before Andrew Burnett scored. They probably spent four and a half minutes in their own zone. I asked Andrew Burnett about that, and his mentality was very similar to what you described. It's like, yeah, it may look like, you know, we were like scrambling a bit, and they had six shots on goal to our one, I think, at that point. But – all their shots are coming from the outside. We weren't giving them on the inside. Yeah, we were spending a lot of time in our defensive zone, but we knew our structure was good. And we knew that, you know, if we just, you know, stuck to it and, you know, just kept their big ends like Sackick and uh, Hayduk to the outside, we were going to be just fine. And sure enough, it was a defensive zone turnover. I passed up to Joltak. And then it was uh, two defensemen going in on Joltak. And, and that's the thing is when you try to, when you try to do too much, Noah, you know, that, and that's what kills you, honestly, is when you have two defensemen and you got to credit Joltak there for driving the net there. Both defensemen get caught trying to take him as the most dangerous guy. And Burnett was one-on-one with Patrick Watt. He essentially ended his career uh, that night with the backhand goal that went behind him. So at the end of it, yeah, trust the process, but also understand that, you know, it's the mental mistakes which cost you. It's not necessarily the physical ones. And just, again, you have to – you have to play with some swagger, but take, you know, also play with the fact that it's like, Hey, I'm confident in this team. I'm confident in my teammate. And if I step out of position, not only does it affect me, but it affects the entire scheme, whether it's offensive or defense. So it's the mental mistake. It's the mental side of the game, which is the reason why teams will advance uh, during this time of the year. So for St. Cloud, uh, again, a big reason why Seamus Donahue and Jared Cockrell have been brought in through the veteran presence that, you know, are probably going to, you know, 
stick to that a little bit better than maybe see a young person who maybe had a little bit more nerves in their body. So I would expect them to have a pretty big impact uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So um, at the end of it, uh, this, this team has a good mix. Um, again, just do what got you here and just, uh, like you said, control what you can control. Yeah, science says you actually lose nerve endings as you become a veteran. That's what you're trying to tell us here, right? Um, but, Pretty much. <laughs> but, but I mean, truly, and it's, it's one of those things. That, and I think that it benefits St. Cloud State being a two seed, not having the pressure of being that one seed. I, Huskies fans, the worst that happens, and I hope it doesn't happen, I hope the Huskies rattle off four straight wins here in the next three and a half weeks. I, the worst that happens is the Huskies lose a hockey game. You know, and I think you kind of have to take that into account too. One of the um, one of my most favorite things about uh, kind of playoff performances, I forget what I think it's in the movie Fastball, if I'm not mistaken, a documentary about you know the fastball's evolution in baseball history. And it was you know Goose Gossage. He was talking about how he went to this playoff game as a young player and he was so so nervous. And then he kind of just took a deep breath and he goes, "What's the worst that happens if I give up a bomb here? I'm elk hunting tomorrow in Colorado." And that it sounds silly, but it just relaxed him so much. He threw his hardest pitch of the night and the mentality has to be the same. The Huskies, like you can't, don't let the moment get bigger than what it is because the moment's already big, if that makes sense. Uh, and this Huskies group, I think has seen enough adversity to where I think they can do some damage in whatever regional that they're at, but they have to play their game. We've seen some really, really tough St. Cloud State performances this year. You just hope that you know, whenever they play, it isn't going to be one of those performances. They have been off for, they will be off for a week and a half by the time that they play. Um, so that's another added challenge too, just kind of getting the legs back under them and that sort of thing. But uh, I have confidence in this Huskies group and I'm really excited to kind of see where the road carries them and see how they can deal with those mental hurdles as well as obviously the hurdle of playing the game in front of them. And as you mentioned, last point here, um, the, the ability to lay down for your teammate and that sort of thing, having that accountability, trusting your teammate, but also, you know, you made a good point about not trying to be out of position. You know, it's not trying to be out of position to essentially not screw your teammate over, if that makes sense. Uh, and trying to do whatever you can for the team. Again, sounds like simple hockey, but it is such a mental hurdle when you sit in a national championship game, especially those first couple shifts, you know, or in an NCAA tournament game, I, let's be real. I I've been there. The nerves are there and you kind of have to find a way to manage the emotions and the more animated and the more chaotic the bench begets, the more chaotic and frustrated your game begets gets. So begets. Um, so you've got to play like the Duluth Bulldogs have back-to-back -back national champions. I uh, kind of have that mentality. And then when you see Duluth, wherever you see them, you know, if you see them in the frozen four, how about we beat them this year? It sounds like a good plan. So moving on to our last topic of the day, Nick. Um, and I think, I don't know what we're going to call this segment, but I kind of thought about um, maybe one of us comes with just a single question uh, to kind of finish the show, something about something we saw last week or kind of a question mark about um, something related to the hockey world or something like that. I, and my question for you is this, Nick, and it involves the women's national championship game. I had an argument with my friend about this last night. Daryl Watts, game winner against Northeastern for Wisconsin in overtime, picks up the puck behind the net as a left-handed shot. Uh, and the defenseman, there's actually two defensemen collapsing on either side, but the defenseman that's on her, I guess, on-hand side, it'd be her off-hand side if she was facing the net, but her on-hand side since she's facing the opposite direction. Uh, she just shoots the puck uh, pretty much like stomach height essentially. And it goes off the defenseman into the net for the game winner post game interview. She kind of alluded that she meant to do it. My friend says BS 
no way. There's no way that she meant to do that. He's like, oh, she was trying to send it back to the point. I don't know. I think the fact that it was chest height and not shin pad height tells me a lot about what the mentality of that play was. But my question for you, Nick, was the goal by Daryl Watts in Wisconsin for a national championship? Was the play on purpose? I think part of it was, yeah, absolutely. Um, at the end of it, how many times do we hear the cliche throw the puck at the deck and good things happen? Also, when you watch NHL goals, uh, at least it's been a rising trend how many times that we see Mitch Marner behind the net or Matt Kachuk, that they're hitting the puck off the back of the goaltender to bounce it in. Um, it's becoming more of a, a I suppose, a, a kind of a strategic trend. Um, and at the end of it, yeah, if you're passing the puck, it's not chest height. It's not, no, because that's very difficult to control, number one. And at the end of it, could she be kind of, you know, being snarky about it? Sure. I mean, she could be, you know, just like, yeah, I meant to do it. So the, the context there is right. But um, at the end of it, I, I think she was trying to get the puck towards the net. Uh, the fact that it probably took a, a very fortuitous bounce on the net was probably like a little bit more of a bonus on. Uh, but at the end of it, you're trying to create havoc, right? You're trying to create something to get the puck towards the crease. And, you know, Wisconsin, if there's one thing that they're so good at, you know, I've watched the women's team from Wisconsin uh, in person. I had the chance to call the series with St. Cloud uh, when they were in uh, Herbert's National Hockey Center this spring. They're very good about putting the puck towards the net, not necessarily to score, but also to create, try to create a second and third chance opportunities for teammates. Uh, they're so good about setting up others by using the goaltender, like almost like a, the, you know, the pillow play or like, you know, the, the bounce play per se. Um, was it one of those? Maybe, but Wisconsin does a, such a good job of attacking the net. And uh, to me, fortuitous bounce, did she mean to do 100%? Probably not, but was it an intended play? I think so. Yeah, I think it was intended to get it towards the net. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I like we kind of talked about, it's going back to the game tying goal against us in that national tournament, you know, a couple of years ago. Uh, the game tying goal was a shot from the, the corner of the blue line from the point, and it actually went off the guy in front and then off the glove of our defenseman into the back of the net, right? Just one of those where good things happen when you put a puck on net. Also a great lesson for St. Cloud State, when in doubt, put a puck on that. You go back a couple of years ago to AIC, trying to be a little bit too cute, trying to kind of get away from your game or not adjust your game plan accordingly. That's another big thing in the national tournament is making those adjustments. Uh, when in doubt, uh, puck on net is never a bad option because it means you're, you're in the right zone. What do you got for us, Nick? Well, I think, you know, because that was our question and, you know, we're wrapping things up. I think what would be kind of fun is uh, I know that uh, KFAN, a uh, local radio station here, uh, here in, the, in Twin Cities, before Vikings games, uh, they have Greg Coleman that he does a segment called the Sunday Sermon. And essentially it's kind of like a pump up talk. And so what I want to do is something kind of off the cuff here okay. uh, for the, I know a lot of uh, the Huskies fans and especially some of the Huskies, I know that a lot of the Huskies players watch uh, this and then we won't have a chance to really uh, do something before this tournament. So essentially, you know, I want to do a, a little bit of a message to the team, like I would Herb Brooks and the coach, but I'm not going to sound as good. Um, I just want to say this to St. Cloud State players, uh, go out there and have some fun. Honestly, mm -hmm. don't worry about, you know, what's happened before this weekend. You've earned this opportunity. You are a fast, skilled team. And at the end of it, go in there and play like you are the team that you know that you are. Um, don't try to be something that you're not. Take what's given. Don't force what's not. And more so or not, go out there and, and again, just try to have some fun. I think the more fun you have with this, um, that's going to take the pressure off of just trying to be in the moment. But enjoy it. Enjoy this because, you know, you, you don't get these many opportunities very much. 
And at the end of it, you know, it's all about having fun. Hockey's a simple game. And like Noah said, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, guess what? You're, you know, probably at class the next day. So <laughs> at the end of the day, you're going to be, at the end of the day, you're going to be just fine. But, uh, you know, no matter what happens, you've made Huskies Nation proud this year. You've, you've exceeded our expectations. And uh, we certainly, especially us between myself and uh, Noah here, uh, we certainly think that you guys have the ability to take this, uh, take this squad all the way to the national championship game. We think you guys can do that. So go out there, show us. And we, you know, no matter what happens, uh, we're proud of you. We thought you've had one hell of a season and uh, you guys deserve this opportunity. So good luck and go out there and have some fun. Go get them. So this is what it's like to be put on the spot. This is what it feels like to be you when I do this to you, huh? Um, to, to be honest, though, I, you're exactly right. I, if I had to say anything, uh, guys, like Nick mentioned, you guys have earned this moment. Uh, you know, play for the man next to you, you know, play for the teammate next to you. And you guys have the most unique opportunity of any St. Cloud state hockey team. And if you're curious as to what that is, every other St. Cloud state hockey team before you has failed to win a national championship. Your guys's journey towards a national championship is not done. And it's done when you guys decide it's going to be done. And hopefully you decide it to be done in the second game as champions in Pittsburgh. You have the ability. It's been a privilege to cover this hockey team for the past year and a half. Uh, and it's been a privilege to kind of see where this journey is going to take you guys. You guys have the ability, like Nick said, you stick to your structure, stick to your game, trust the man next to you, trust the process. Oh, and how about kick some ass and put somebody through the boards? That's always a good plan, especially if you end up playing North Dakota, if you end up in Fargo, that's all I have to say about that. Nick, uh, that will do it for episode number 54 of the Huskies warming house podcast, healthy scratch interview segment for episode number 54. We will record tomorrow. We'll come out Tuesday morning. We will have Dave Starman who will break down the actual selections for the NCAA committee, as well as some more fun hockey stories that he's got with us. Don't forget episode number 55 will come out on Sunday. We'll know the fate of the St. Louis eight Huskies team, as far as if, where their next step will be uh, as well as I uh, probably in the next couple episodes, we'll probably do some high school tournament talk around the state of Minnesota as well. Don't forget healthy scratch interview segment for episode 55 a week from Tuesday as well for myself, Noah Grant, as well as my co-host Nick Maxson, we bid you adieu and we will see you next week from the Huskies warming house podcast. Timer coming, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perrix! So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it! He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL! Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.